Hello, this is the No Wellness Wankery podcast where we dispel diet myths, bust all the wankery in the wellness world. We get a lot done every single episode. My name is Jenna DePeace and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Lindy Cohen. Hello, everyone. And there, my goodness, there's a lot of that wellness wankery, so we're going to stamp it out. And today's episode is a goodie. We are chatting, if we're going to think diets, one of the first diets that pops into our lovely diet-filled brains is, of course, Weight Watchers. So we just wanted <laughs> a to... W. We're a not quite sure what to call them anymore. We don't know how they're rebranding at the moment, but we'll go with WW. Um, we want to have a little chat about... So I've done Weight Watchers and I think you have too, mm-hmm, Lindy. Mm-hmm. So we want to chat just about our experiences because as with every diet... If you do fail it, you don't really shout to the mountaintops about how you did fail a diet because you think it was just something that was wrong with you. You think it was your issue, so you don't really talk about it. So we want to just shed a bit of light about maybe you weren't the problem. Mm-hmm. And and this is all sparked because my book, Your Weight Is Not The Problem, came out recently. And I heard about this thing happening where one of Someone who'd read the book, who loved the book, had gone into Weight Watchers Connect, which is kind of like the social forum, shared their experience reading the book, told other people, I love this book, you'd probably love it too. A few people saw the post and then it was deleted from (laughs) the forum. And then it made her wonder why. How come this is the book that Weight Watchers doesn't want her to read, doesn't want other people to know about how come it got deleted. And so then I had a whole raft of people coming over to me who'd seen this happening on Weight Watchers Connect. And they were like, I also saw it getting deleted. And it made me curious, why is this the book that Weight Watchers doesn't want you to read? And so we're going to talk about Weight Watchers and our experiences. Um, but for legal reasons, uh, this episode is fully based on personal experiences. Um, we're trying not to share opinions about it. We're just going to tell you what our listeners have told us, what you lovely people have sent us questions and experiences. And where possible, actually wherever, we have changed names to keep everyone anonymous and help you feel safe because this is a safe place. Um, but all stories have been told as they were shared with us. And I think a really nice place is to start with Jenna, I want to hear your stories because you've had some good experience, well, some experiences <laughs> with Weight Watchers. I have. So I remember I first joined Weight Watchers when I was like 13 or 14 because my nan and my mum went. So obviously I also needed to lose weight. So I needed to go along with them. I remember I had to go to the doctor to get like permission because I was a small child, to go on to Weight Watchers. And obviously the doctor was like, yep, that sounds like an amazing thing to do. You're a few years younger than me because when I went on Weight Watchers, I didn't need permission. Oh, didn't you? No, No, I needed permission. They added that in. Mm. Yeah, and I'm only, what, like three years younger than you, so that's a good little – okay, that's positive. That was progress. (laughs) That's progress. But the fact that no doctor probably would still say, no, you shouldn't do that. Less progress, but we digress. So I went on and I remember I remember just like the thing that stuck out the most to me is the weigh-ins that you have to go to every week. So and when you're binge eating and you're doing these things because you're restricting so much, you're already as soon as a binge happens, you're like, Oh my god, I have that weigh in and it's gonna be terrible and you just So your whole life becomes filled with this dread about this weigh-in. And so they have this lifetime membership structure where I was talking to my mum about it 
And with something like when you get to your goal weight and you've stayed in maintenance for a certain amount of time, then you become a life member. And that's where you don't really have to pay this annual subscription or monthly subscription, but you have to go in. I think you have to still go once a month and weigh yourself just to ensure you haven't put on any weight. And then you don't have to pay. But like- There's a ca- there's a caveat here though. Yes. If you've put on weight. If you've put, if you put on weight- you lose this lifetime membership. Yes. So the very thing that is meant to help you stay at the weight that they've been sold, you've been sold, you need to be at, gets taken away from you when you cannot no longer stick to the thing that is unsustainable anyway. This is this is it. And I always felt like there was this thing where all the people that were at their goal weight or had lost weight, like that was so exciting for them and that was so good. But then if you hadn't, or if it was a really small amount, and I remember I'd always like want to wear like the lightest possible clothes. And I hated some places where they wouldn't let you take your shoes off to get on the scale. I was like, I can't stand on the scale with shoes on. Like Mm. I need those grams. Totally. And also when I was seeing clients, I'd experience this where I'd have people come in and they'd want to get into their underwear to get weighed, Um, which is a a very real symptom of an eating disorder, by the way, if if feeling like you have to control how you're weighed is, is not a good sign. And it's kind of like a breeding ground to allow this kind of behavior and make it socially acceptable. Exactly. And I think the biggest thing for me in Weight Watchers is it was my first formalized plan that kind of touched every food. Like, because before that I'd been to dietitians and stuff and they give you kind of like a meal plan. That's their thing, but they're not. Weight Watchers goes into every single food that exists and gives it a point value. So, and all those stuff really sticks in your head. So you have thoughts about every food, how many points it is, if that's something you should be having, if not like big things, like they really taught me that we, we could never have a whole banana. That was <laughs> it sounds so silly now. So we it talk sounds about ridiculous. It, it, it was very serious stuff at the time. Yeah, and about like never going to a party hungry. So then I would always eat before I'd go, and then I would binge when I got there as well. So then I'd double down on feeling bad because like, well, now I've eaten like three meals instead of one, and I never really lost any weight because never I, lost weight. No. Because I don't think – I think I was already in the binging. Mm. How did that – how did your mum and nan react to the fact that you are going to these meetings but you weren't making progress? To be honest, I don't remember because – There were no repercussions though. You there was no feel, repercussions. You didn't feel like you got in trouble. Okay. No, it was just probably like my own internal shame. <laughs> just adding to that. Oh, just that. <laughs> just a big that. deal. Yeah. And I think it's also just this – like everything that's points counting or calorie counting or macro counting, anything like that, it's just this mental arithmetic of planning out your entire day, allocating points, like that saving points for certain things, or you could do exercise to get more points to earn more food. I remember planning out a whole day so that I honestly thought if I planned out this whole day when I went out with my friends in the nighttime, and this is when I was now an adult, and I don't even know it was if it was Weight Watchers, but it was something in the same vein. If I planned out the whole day and then I could allocate to have like one alcoholic drink because then I wouldn't feel like I was missing out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, your friends are kind of like doing whatever. Yes. Yeah. 
it, it, the point system I have to can we talk about that because when I've when I joined and I think the earlier versions of it I mean uh, Weight Watchers has been around since 1963 so it has evolved many yes, times the over. points came in in the 90s with and they include like fiber fat well, calorie now, content now they do I don't think they originally did I think they were simply um, a simpler way of kind of calorie counting initially yes. and that they would describe things points based simply on calories and in more recent iterations they acknowledge the fact and rightly so that, you know, fiber, protein, positive nutrients and negative nutrients need to be considered that they're not just exclusive and they're not just the same. Because previously what was happening is there was like, well, okay, this is this this ice cream is four points and this salad is four points, so I'll eat the ice cream. There was a lot of that where it's kind of like if you're simply looking at something from a points or calorie perspective, you, you negate health completely. Yes. And that was – I think they've tried to rectify that. I don't think you can fully rectify that when you're working on a point system and that's fundamentally an issue for me is that it kind of does really hone in this idea that it's just – health is health (laughs) apparently is about calculating points and it's not really that bigger picture. And I think it was so interesting when I was like pre-interviewing my mom about her Weight Watchers experience for this, because she's been doing these diets for such a long time and they're so ingrained in her, I was asking her about it and she was like, oh, well, they have like the satisfaction scale, which is kind of like the same as Lindy's hunger scale. Like, and I was thinking, I don't really think it is because that's saying if you're not satisfied, then you've got a list of these free foods, zero point foods that you should be filling up on as opposed to eating what would actually satisfy you. So to be clear, it's really not the same it's thing not- at all. But, <laughs> but I was speaking to my mother-in-law. You put these rules into your head and you're like, oh, that's the same. Amen. I was speaking to my mother-in-law and she was also like, yeah, but – They've done all these good things, you know, that good. And, and I think, I think, wait, watch is she's like, as far as all the diet companies go, they're not as villainous as they could be. You Which know is a pretty low bar. It's yeah, like, well, the, the bar is low. <laughs> the bar is low. But and I do, and I have to acknowledge. I think they have. I think there are. You know, they do have some some redeeming aspects where they do try and you know do try, but um, fundamentally there's enough that's not working. There's enough that makes it feel like, um, you know, it's setting us all up for failure because if it was working, I wouldn't have a a piece of paper in front of me with a whole range of your stories telling me how many times you've all signed up to Weight Watchers and failed and come back again and the shame you've experienced, the way that it's created disordered eating in your brain. And, And a company can have really good intentions behind trying to help people and still not help. This is what I've always thought because I'd be thinking, why do I need a lifetime membership to a diet whereas like my brother is also living life in a healthy weight without a lifetime membership to a diet? Like there's something wrong with that concept that you have to join up to Weight Watchers for a lifetime. Yeah, like personally the way I see it as a dietitian, if I do my job correctly, you'll need me for a short period in your life. And then I would like to see you fly off and and leave me. I love you leaving me. I don't need you to kind of stick around forever. I hope I serve my purpose in your life and that you will one day think fondly back about the person who helped you 40 years ago, but that I'm no longer a part of your day-to-day living. And that is success to me. And I think one of the biggest things that Weight Watchers did to me is 
Yes, you can live your life without Weight Watchers, but it makes your list of allowed foods very small and the things you eat on a regular basis very small. So you have your standard things like your diet soft drinks and your diet jellies and your one row of sakatas for one point <laughs> and these snacks that you just keep going back to because you know they're safe and you know their points and then we know the impact that has on your gut health and your mental health when you're just eating the same foods all the time. Yes, and it, it makes you feel like your life is quite small because you feel a bit worried to eat things or you don't know exactly how many points they have and um, it can create a whole level of anxiety and stress that you really don't need to be having. Also, once you understand points, it's quite hard to forget them. Very hard to forget them. Yeah. Or calories. You know, it's like you lie in bed at night and you can still remember, well, an apple has this many calories and, you know, this many, this much chocolate is this how, this is an equation. So yeah. what, part of undieting yourself, learning how not to diet is learning how to forget all these numbers. Want to stop binge and emotional eating for good? Understand the cause of these habits, learn how to deal with afternoon or evening binges and get the number one tool you need to break up with binging for good with my free five-day course. This means no more hiding food wrappers, eating in secret or feeling guilt and shame around your eating behaviors. Instead, you'll learn how to regain control over food, make peace with your body and stop being consumed by thoughts of food all the time. Sign up to my free course in the show notes and experience the life-changing transformation for yourself. It's the numbers. Like in, I still have a very clear vision of Weight Watchers in terms of fruit, like grapes weren't with the rest of the fruits and small bananas big bananas, small apples, big apples. Like, so convoluted. It's so convoluted. <laughs> and it's at the time you're like, this is this, this, makes is, sense. this is the gospel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so so what happened now is you, so you, you were doing the Weight Watchers thing, you were going along to the meetings but nothing was happening. So at some point you were like, why are we doing this? Yeah, so I think, again, it's like Weight Watchers feel like a bit of a bandwagon you just fall on and off of and then – by the time I was, so I started if I was like 13 or 14 and then by the time I was 16, I went to another dietitian to do it differently myself, not Weight Watchers. Because, um, yeah, it's just like the public weigh-ins and I would think that something like those experiences of Weight Watchers have made me so terrified of the scales because it, you have such an attachment to that number mm. that really doesn't mean anything. So, and I re- I remember even whenever I was doing, my mum was always like, but I'll help you, I'll help you lose weight because I'll just, um, I know all the Weight Watchers rules and I'll just prepare you all the Weight Watchers food and you don't even have to do anything. I'll give you a perfectly, she'd even say, even not to this day, but I don't know why your father's putting you on weight because I create a perfectly Weight Watchers dinner every night. And it's just like, it, you just think of it as like this fail-proof thing, guiding light of what you always come back to. And yet it didn't work. I think also what's interesting about this is is sometimes I read from people, they they had a positive experience where they lost weight and they felt like they enjoyed the process. And then 
because it's unsustainable, they don't stick to it. They regain the weight and then they come back to it going, well, I'm just going to count points again because it worked the first time. And they find that each attempt becomes less and less effective. Yes. I refer to this as diet burnout. It's this idea that, you know, you can't keep using the exact same. Firstly, you've got metabolic changes that happen. You have changes in your hunger hormones, your satiety hormones that make it harder. You now have an emotional attachment to certain foods that make it, you know, them highly interesting and highly palatable and increase the satisfaction you feel when you do eat these foods. So you have a whole lot of biological reasons why each attempt becomes harder. And then you also have the psychological aspect of it being like, you know what you're in for, you know, it's a long slog. Um, and I think this is this pattern we keep hearing from people going, I've tried it multiple, multiple times and each one is getting less effective. And what I find most offensive about this idea is, is we blame ourselves. We go, well, it worked. It worked the first time. Therefore, yeah. why wouldn't it work this time? It's me. I'm the reason because it stayed the same, but I've changed. And I think that's a really important thing for us to recognize that it's not, it's not, it's not you. And because when Lindy put the call out on her Instagram about other people's experiences with Weight Watchers, if it worked for them, what was their experience? And I think it was so interesting to see. Like a few weeks ago you had John O'Steadman on your on this podcast and he made the point of if you bought a dodgy vacuum cleaner and it didn't work, you would be like, this vacuum cleaner is so annoying. I hate it. But when we buy a dodgy diet, it's not the diet's fault. It's like we've failed. And that's something you keep so secret to yourself. Like I would never have even told my friends I was doing Weight Watchers or any of those things besides the probably they would have seen all like the Weight Watchers branded snacks because <laughs> which are really high process, process really yeah process snacks. But they're the snacks that you know were like the point calorie whatever whatever. Can we talk about Oprah for a second? Because there was a moment where Oprah went and made a big financial investment in Weight Watchers and she was very much at the height of being our much-loved Oprah and she is much-loved as well. I will we say. love Oprah. Still love Oprah. Never will stop. Anyway, and she her she backed Weight Watchers. Firstly, she was, she was making a profit off the fact that she was endorsing this thing, so that was a very smart move on her behalf. But her backing convinced a lot of us because we trust Oprah and we didn't believe that she would lead us astray. And I don't think she was trying Mm-mm. to lead us astray. I think she was exactly the same as everyone else. She just has because, her own disordered eating experience. And we can and- literally see documented over the time the yo-yo dieting that she's done and I don't think – that she had ill intentions. I think she was just battling through the diet world. Like in a way she's the poster girl of yo-yo dieting. So it makes sense that she was the poster girl for Weight Watchers. It really does. <laughs> so here's some stories I think, which I, I think it's nice and cathartic to hear from other people's experiences. It helps us realize that it's not just us. It's not just us. This is it. One of Lindy's followers said that she used to go to Weight Watchers meetings during school holidays with her mom and then listen to her frustrations of putting on weight, saying how she was in the pig pen that week. So relatable, isn't it? I, I really relate to that. And also this idea of going with your mother, yeah. going with your grandmother, of having a social connection is something that we're all doing together. There was something nice about that. I have to acknowledge that we there was a sense of community in it and I, I hated it, but it diet chat was always something that my mum and I could fall back on. We yeah. always had this connection point and I think – Yeah, I just think it's important to recognise that. That It definitely had its nice points. When you're going through something and you're like, oh, you're going through the same struggles as me. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
normalizes it, right? It feels like it reduces the shame. This is a big one. I have, I connect with this one. Someone said, I have vivid memories of chocolate mousse as the only dessert I was allowed to have because it fits into my points. We all know that that diet chocolate mousse. Oh, and I would eat like six of those because I'd be like, oh, it's, I can have one. And the next thing I know, I'm like, that was very unsatisfying. Yes. And then I finished the whole, like, what is it? The six pack. Yep. And still feel unsatisfied. And still feel unsatisfied. And then this is another one, eating tins and tins of peaches. Peaches and tinned fruit was huge. Mm, that was, wasn't it? But not in syrup. Not in syrup. Been, yeah, we know. There was lots of rules around that. Um, that encourage you to drink Diet Coke because it fills you up and it has zero points. Um, I like to think that that has changed, that that was something that, that, that used to happen. I'm assuming that doesn't happen anymore. But I think that comes back to the point when I was doing some research, and again, I don't know if this is still the case, but these Weight Watchers group leaders were not health professionals. No. I don't think they need- Well-intentioned. Well-intentioned. Lovely people. Lovely people. The lady, I remember Mostly her. She was, she was a lovely lady. But that's just giving their own little- eating disorder device, advice, obviously someone has said that about the Diet Coke. Yeah, and just to remind us all that according to research, 75% of women have some degree of disordered eating. What makes someone more likely to become in any profession or become, you know, a Weight Watchers leader? You know, I just think it's probably going to be a higher ratio than it is than the normal population. So let's just contemplate that when we get our health advice, when we get our support from is the person I'm getting support from struggling with disordered eating or do they have a perfectly healthy relationship with food? That's a good question. That isn't is it? a good question to start with. This one really I'm sure will resonate with a lot of people. The day of my weigh-in, I would barely eat and definitely wouldn't eat past 12 as the weigh-in was at 5.30. I would then weigh myself at least five times during the day before driving to the weigh-in to mm. make sure that things were on track. So relatable. I'm sad about that. I once cut my hair to try and weigh less for a weigh-in. Yeah, that is. <sighs> I have to laugh about it now because otherwise I'll cry. Um, this uh, this lady says, I spent 25 years on and off the WW train, lost and gained plus more, maybe eight times. Could never get to the goal or even lose due to the restrict binge cycle. Yeah. So I think that's a, a really common one as well. And just this thing that I was saying in saying before, especially I relate to this public weigh-ins when you're a literal child and adults in the room are implying there's something wrong with your body. Yeah. And you're watching all these other women, in, you know, in these group weigh-ins, mostly women, I say, um, and, and it's very normalized. You think this is how it's done. This is what you do. This is your indoctrination into this world. Can we talk about cancelling a membership? So from what I've heard, and I haven't done WW in years, I have to admit, because I, have, I haven't dieted in 10 years, so it's got to be at least 10 years since I've done it. But apparently what I'm hearing is that it's still quite hard to cancel your membership, that you can sign up online, but that to cancel, you have to call and you have to speak to someone. And apparently that conversation is a really hard conversation to have, that it's not a simple process. And I think there's something really interesting in that. You know, uh, you know, they might say, well, we're trying to make sure that you've got the support that you need. But from a business case, I could see how making it hard for someone to cancel their membership is a really important way that we don't lose subscription money. Um, and it yes. might be what's at play. I don't know. I cannot confirm nor deny for legal reasons what is happening there. But if you are already in a place of, this is another diet I've failed and I'm bad at, calling up and admitting that to somebody that you don't even know 
be a tricky thing to do. Yeah, who's going to try and convince you that it will just work? Just if you try just hard. tried this or you just tried that, then maybe maybe the fault is with you. And, and if you if you just tweaked it a little, little, you'd finally get there. And there's nothing more appealing to us as dieters than to go, we can, we can help. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I mean, I haven't shared much about my WW experiences, but I do remember one of my friends got really into it and she lost so much weight. And I just remember feeling so envious of her and so jealous that she had done this and really made it so appealing to me. I think when we see someone else lose weight on a diet, we, we, we admire them and we want to be like them. And I just want you to stop for a moment. Next time you hear someone bragging about their weight loss or, and you feel that little sting of jealousy, I want you to think maybe this isn't a symptom of a good thing. Maybe they're, you know, constant chatter. You know, when, they, when someone's on the weight loss pursuit, they always want to talk about food and they want to talk about weight and they want to talk about other people's weight. Maybe you can see this for what it is, is a food obsession, is a constant thinking about food, that food is now dictating their life. Because to, to follow these kinds of protocols, you need to be really dedicated and you need to be dedicated forever. Otherwise you will gain the weight again. So maybe we don't, so we stop seeing it as something to be jealous of and we start going, hmm, I'm glad that's not me anymore. Yes. Have a little bit of compassion because you're right. I've lost twice in my life. I've lost a large hunk of weight. And during that time I was so dedicated. I never strayed. I never did anything. I remember it went through Easter one year and I was so proud that I didn't have one square of chocolate the entire period of Easter, but I was so dedicated and I couldn't sustain it. And then all the weight just came straight back on. Yeah. And you felt like you were the failure. Yeah. And the compliments stop and <laughs> you have to pick yourself back up off the floor. Ah, the compliments. But I think we just wanted this episode just to be a place where if you have tried Weight Watchers, if you have tried one of these diets and you think you failed, just to let you know you haven't failed, the diet has failed you. Mm. And if you are curious to know what's inside, your weight is not the problem. The book that Weight Watchers doesn't want you to read. Maybe you should pick up a copy if you haven't already and find out why does it have them running scared. Thank you for listening to today's episode of No Wellness Wankery. If you feel it in your heart to leave us a review. We would love to read it and hear from you. Wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, press maybe you'll press the five-star button and we'll chat to you next time. Thanks. Hey, I've got a question for you. Does binge eating feel like your dirty secret? And are you sick of trying to be good, but falling off the bandwagon and losing control around food? If so, I can help. Binge Free Academy teaches you how to beat binge eating and feel in control around food giving you doable evidence-based strategies. You'll get lifetime access to 30 practical step-by-step video lessons, 12 group coaching calls with me, and become part of my Binge Free Academy community for life. As a recovered binge eater, I get it. I know there's no quick fix or one-stop shop for binge eating. And so that's why I want to give you the ongoing support and care you need and deserve. And I'm so confident it will help you that I'm offering you a 30-day money-back guarantee. So no risk, all reward. You can take control over your food and your life. And I think it's the best investment you'll ever make towards reclaiming your life, your health, and your happiness. To learn more about Binge Free Academy, you can click the link in the show notes or go to lindycohen.com slash binge-free-academy.